Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. A little hot. I'm a little bit hot. We are here in con- can't. I'm going to start that over. Once we get going, I'll be fine. <laughs> Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I'm Trevin Stoltzis, and we are here in Kansas, and we are on the tail end of food plots, at least for Kansas and Missouri. I'm sitting here with Nick Percy and Rich. Rich, what, yeah, say your last name? Kurzan. Kurzan, Rich Kurzan, okay. Um, Yeah, well, this has been, um, Nick, I'm telling you what, every year it's an exciting, you know, I don't want to say adventure because that's giving it too much. It's an exciting escapade. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's been, it was pretty smooth though, this yeah. This time around. It really was, I mean, considerably. Missouri was a little bumpier than Kansas, so. Yeah, yeah. I want to begin, for those of you who listened to last year's and followed us doing that, and it was uh, a lot of fun. Well, I want to kind of say what happened um, and talk through Missouri, what we saw on the different plots, and talk through Kansas because if you're into this type of thing, um, once you plan it, it's all about, okay, what are you going to see? You know, what kind of groceries are you going to produce? Right. How are the deer going to react to it? You know, so uh, during the rut, how do they, re- how does it change? During during late season, I mean, th- these are the things whitetails guys are going through their minds. So let's talk about Missouri. I'm going to try and think back. Uh, Missouri. We had some really good success on the power line plot. Um, AR killed his his buck there uh, first first morning that we were hunting, uh, and he came out. There was a doe feeding, and he came out and was locked on that doe, and the doe wasn't moving. It was, the doe literally was bedded in the food plot. Of course, this is primarily a clover up on top, and then we we planted some deep woods and some climatized off the uh, off the slope down further. Yep. Yeah, we doubled that size of yeah. that food plot from the year before, uh, and we uh, so the does feel real comfortable in that resurrection right. clover, but right. that buck kind of was slinking up from the well, lower edge. Well, he came up, stood for I don't know ten minutes. AR didn't didn't have a good shot. He actually had some limbs in his way. So he ended up waiting. Then a little buck came up, and the buck ran off. And he's like, oh, shoot, I missed my opportunity, right? And he ran another little buck off, but then came right back to the same spot, stood there, and finally stepped out and was feeding when AR shot him. Okay. So... Pardon me, I'm taking a, a drink. I'm I'm not over uh, hungover because I because I don't drink, but I feel like we got so dehydrated <laughs> yesterday. You know how a lot of hangover is is dehydration, right? And uh, so I'm I'm trying to hydrate because I got a headache, like I tore one on last night. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty warm, pretty pretty uh, dry in Missouri, but we had some rain here right. in Kansas, which really helped a lot yesterday. It's huge, huge help. And that's going to definitely help that food plot. You know, we had retained in the ground from 
previous from last year, from last year and mm-hmm. retain is a for those of you that don't remember is a moisture nutrient absorbing pellet that lasts for three years in the soil so we definitely can see that in the soil um well we were looking at the uh corn field compared to our food plot and we were holding much more moisture mm-hmm. okay back to ar so he shoots that buck that's in that field then oh you know and i shot my doe in late season in that and then we had uh, two of the guys that the there's a company that actually leases the whole property for rifle and um two of the guys shot two bucks two of the better bucks yeah in the lower end of that plot um now i'm trying to think Corey, Corey, we had three encounters and i think one of the rifle guys killed one in there so um what I mean encounters is we had situations where bucks came through and they were passed yep. or couldn't get a shot or something. So they're definitely um, in there checking those food pots, right. looking for those right. does. Then yep. I hunted uh, on the east side, what the stand we call Martha Stewart. And, the, and then the, <laughs> and the reason we call it Martha Stewart is just for those you that uh, have no idea what's going on. We call it the Martha Stewart stand because it's on a corner. It's actually across from a corner where there is uh, the ground that we we hunt and then the Stewart property. So that's why we call it the Martha Stewart. I mean, just a creative way. So, <laughs> but um, and then the kids both harvest deer last year too. Levi and his sister both they harvested did. deer. Yeah. yeah, they did both kill bucks. Yeah. One was on... Uh, Trying to think, well, uh, Levi killed at his mother-in-law's place, yeah. and I was there filming. And then Addison killed uh, on the south end of well, that same set of woods that's a power line plot, but on the south side, yep. going into Youngs. So, um, which is good because Levi the outdoorsman works hard he does he, he does. works so hard so it's good to see him reap the reward yeah. of working hard yeah kid doesn't complain he eight, doesn't complain. eight years old now he's nine but eight yeah. years old and out there working every minute had to run home one time and couldn't wait to get back <laughs> yeah had baseball practice yeah. um so then martha i had three bucks i passed um i'm gonna drop your mic down by your chin a little no just down there you go yeah i'm getting a nose whistle there yeah. little, little little you two do the same thing bring it down just a little yeah there we go there we go um so martha stewart i ended up having three bucks one walked right directly under me another walked the edge of the fence on the other side of the fence and he was looking and I and I I was at he was actually a mature five year old five, four five year I think he was five, big bodied, wouldn't have scored one hundred twenty inches, just but an older deer, and he walked by, and then I had another deer, um, come under the stand and into the plot, and he, you know, kind of, but he was three year old. I probably would have shot him if he if if put his rack on the on the uh, on the other buck and well I would have shot the other buck anyway but right. I didn't have a shot so and then we had another 
another three-year-old buck come up. Was that on the pond plot? No, that was on... It was on Martha. Oh, on Martha. Okay. Yeah. Between Martha and Killer, I think we combined for three or four bucks. Not just those, bucks. Encounters. So, that's what... I mean, you can't ask for more than that. Not for the limited time you're here. No. Yeah. Because the way we work is we... We literally come up. We come up and... That's the only time we're going to hunt, unless we come back for late season, which I did this year instead of going to ATA. And all I, all I heard was, good move. So, I know you were at ATA and I was here. Yeah, probably texting you pictures of deer. <laughs> I was doing that to CJ from Montana Decoy, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, not, he was frustrated with me. <laughs> so, that brings us up to speed with this year. Okay, so the work that's... Oh, one thing I wanted to mention about Kansas. Uh, in Kansas, uh, food plots came in, but we have the, the herd of elk from hell. So I have a herd of elk camping on my food plots in Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> Not something that's pretty very normal. No, I mean, I got trail camps, tons of trail camps. The problem is I can't hunt them. Yeah, and an animal that's 1,400 pounds plus, right? Yeah. They eat a lot of groceries. Well, and there's eight of them. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how how they trashed our, our food plots. Yeah, where a whitetail averages about seven pounds a day of food. I can't even. At 200 know. pounds, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say it's a 200-pound animal yeah. versus 1,400-pound elk, yeah. So when we got out here in November... I mean, probably second week in November, I think it was. Mm-hmm. It was carpet. It, it was um, every. It was just tr- yeah, and checking trail cameras. They stayed till about Halloween, which <laughs> normally they're gone by end of September, first of October, and they stayed all that extra time. So killer food plots uh, made them hang around longer. It's- Put the electric fence up around him. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think we fence out the cows, but it's hard to fence out the you, elk. Elk would just jump it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe get a. I think Phil, who's a landowner, can get a uh, depredation tag. The problem is you gotta have them on camera. You, you know, and they do. They show up in daylight, but you just gotta have everything right and you got to know when they're in there because i think they're making this loop through this river bottom you know river bottom sorry i'm trying to gather myself here <laughs> i want to yawn so bad well, and i'm not the- tired I'm, I'm i actually slept great mm-hmm. i mean i slept wonderful but i think it's just the literally i feel a little bit goofy and hung over <laughs> <laughs> well we didn't give you much time to move i yeah. stepped out of bed so well we uh, a good so four, anyway 14 and a half hour drive home so so this year i don't know you got any uh, suggestions to I, I thought about trying to fence them out but but I, elk won't fence out i don't think mm-hmm. yeah i'm not sure what repels elk 
because well what repels elk that won't that will also it'll probably also repel deer mm -hmm. so we just have to kill them <laughs> i'm gonna call the kansas department of wildlife or whatever they're called you know and i'm gonna ask them look here's the deal they've got to be doing a toll on these farmers crops oh, i would think so yeah i would think so uh, okay here we are this year let's start missouri missouri this year we uh um started on the palm plot clover up on top came in always always first thing we do is soil defender yep and um we put we apply the soil defender in a spreader uh, a sprayer excuse me which is simple um easy i mean that is the, one of the easiest products because usually we've already had the spreader used roundup in it now of course we wash it out put the and but we could even apply that with roundup if we wanted yeah it's a pretty versatile product so, so. So then, uh, then we're coming back. We're we're putting our uh, groganics. And one of the one things I went on this podcast is, can you talk me through the groganics and and the difference last year's groganics and what you've done different this year? Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, just to tell people, Soil Defender is a liquid fertilizer, root stimulator, uh, increases germination, feeds all the microbes in the soil which basically translates into better nutrient um, uh, delivery to the root system of your plant, deeper roots, more drought resistance, and also more nutrients to that plant, more groceries growing out of the ground. So it's a liquid application. It's easy to put out. Um, you know, if you're spraying for the first time, you put it down on fresh dirt or you can put it in with your Roundup, like we mentioned. Uh, once your plants are up and growing, you can apply it right to the leaf it's a concentrate so you have to dilute it per the instructions but it yeah, really stretches yeah. your dollar so would you would you apply it later in the season oh yeah i mean just yeah definitely especially the first year you're you're putting that in the soil whenever you're still in the growth cycle of an annual or anytime on the perennials that uh it's not you know super hot and super dry um as long as you're putting it down with a lot of water you're fine even during the drought period but because it doesn't burn the plant too bad but uh the more water the better so you can apply the stuff right while it's raining versus roundup where you have to wait right. till everything's dry uh, so it's a foods it's a food product for the plant it's all organic safe to use easy to use you can put it on your hands you don't have to wear i mean literally we <laughs> right it's it's so simple it's very simple so then the so that's kind of like the ibuprofen when you have a headache you take the liquid gel and it's instantaneous and it just immediately starts taking care of the situation versus a hard ibuprofen which takes a little while to kick in but it is extended which is what i would refer to groganics as in feeding the plants right so it's right away right now get in there energize wake up all those healthy bacteria soil defender eradicates negative bacteria in the soil or negative nematodes which if you're planting brassicas year after year after year you'll start right. to see your growth production go down if you don't rotate crops well with soil defender applied twice a year you shouldn't have to do that rotation anymore so i have a lot of people that are like man i want to plant brassicas every year because my deer just love those they're a magnet they come right into your carnage brassicas and you know so 
when you have that decay of those bulbs and, and whatnot, you can start to develop some negative bacteria. Well, apply that soil defender twice a year and it takes care of it. So then you switch over to Groganics and Groganics is a pelletized fertilizer. And you ask me what's changed with Groganics. It's gone through some pretty dramatic changes. Um, the old Groganics in its makeup and its contents, um, highly effective fertilizer, very, very good fertilizer. We used uh, as part of our nitrogen, we had ammonium sulfate, which made it, it's a, it's a uh, natural based fertilizer, but it wasn't a true organic fertilizer. And that ammonium sulfate and was basically kicking us out of truly saying it was an Omri listed uh, organic fertilizer. And we wanted to go to that next level. You know me, I'm never satisfied with <laughs> where any product's right. at. But we also changed um, not only our nitrogen source and ammonium sulfate, we changed that from, um, from ammonium, ammonium sulfate over to a Chilean nitrate and soybean nitrogen, as well as our P and K, which is our phosphorus and our potash, we changed that to be derived primarily from the soybean. So we really got to a whole different level. We also brought in additional um, nutrient load in sulfur, um, but the, the introduction of or combination of a, a different carbon source that's clean and it actually encapsulates the pellets of the fertilizer made for a more uniform fertilizer where in the past to be real dusty and really smelly to be honest with you because we used um, also used turkey and chicken poo as part of the combination of the nitrogen source um, and now we're not doing that so we don't have the smell we don't, you know, we're not, we're not repelled by our family when we get home after food right. plotting, other than we might be a little dirty and sweaty, but um, really made the product um, disperse more uniformly. Now the black gypsum, which I'm talking about is the calcium that wraps the pellets. What that does to the nutrient load is before we would spread groganics, and the same thing is true of triple 19, triple 17. It's kind of almost like a tie-dye effect. When that pellet hits the ground and moisture is added, it kind of spreads out like more like a wagon wheel. So there's gaps of nutrients. So you'll notice an inch, three inches, seven inch tall food plot, and you'll wonder why is it not all growing uniformly? And a lot of that is because the nutrient load is not uniform. So what we did with the new Groganics and then wrapping it in that black gypsum is the equivalent of trying to pour pancakes on a skillet. You pour a pancake, you pour the next pancake, they come up and they always and touch it, each right. other. Now you're making snowmen and your kids all want, you know, to make interesting shapes. Well, if you think about pancakes, when you pour them, they never overlap each other. They always flow around one another. Well, if you continue to pour that pancake batter on that skillet, say that rectangular skillet, it, that's essentially what happens when water hits groganics now is it just flows and it covers that thing edge to edge. What that does is give more uniform growth and now instead of growing one inch and three inch and seven inch, now you're all at seven inch growth at that same rate, uh, growth rate right. throughout the, the season, which is nice. So that you get that deep root, more drought resistant. You know, I'm trying to stack the deck in the favor um, of the food plotter to make sure that they're having success and they're not, uh, you know, being strong, uh, strangled to death by mother nature and everything she throws at us every year. So. Yeah, I think we need um, 
I think these podcasts is important and some of these little things that we do where we're we're almost uh, we're we're making it in bite-sized pieces because if you think about it, there's so much technically when you start breaking down all these products and what's available on the market for seed and why is this coating on a seed better than that coating on a seed and you know it, it can get downright confusing it can so for someone like me i need simplicity mm-hmm. and so it, it, you know being able to understand it in simple terms right that's huge well, soil defender is an easier way to apply nutrients to your food plot, especially in set-aside areas where guys are putting it on a quad or gals are putting it on a quad to go back into a spot that can't get their tractor, can't get their big spreader. It's a lot of work to go back and forth, back and forth. And then, frankly, when you have food plots growing like brassicas, turnips, rape, radishes, or beans, you don't want to drive through them with a piece of equipment necessarily. You can throw that soil defender in a backpack sprayer and just walk through and and uh, basically feed those food plots um it's okay on perennials but you know doing that with granular with all that weight um over and over and over or trying to run a spreader through it it's just not as flexible so um you know we're looking to simplify it for the end consumer here's what the benefits are um we did a packaging change for 2020 and that's huge on our seed looks amazing thank you looks really good well we take the feedback from our customers you know these are the most frequently asked questions and some of those frequently asked questions are can i frost seed this what what of your seed blends can we frost seed which ones are no-till meaning we can just kill off all the grass and weeds throw it out there and weed whack down the grass and weeds when they're dead and walk away and which ones require conventional planting where i have to actually turn the ground or seed drill or whatever and so we put those icons in the upper left hand corner of every single bag of killer food plots so you know which ones meet the criteria that you're that you have to work with and you know that's something to talk about is not everybody has all these tools and a fifty thousand dollar tractor to go with it right a lot of people have uh, small implements or UTVs, ATVs, um, you know, they have a weed whipper and they have a backpack sprayer or a sprayer that fits on their quad. Food plots are tangible resource to be able to help aid in harvesting that deer you're, you're chasing and that passion you're chasing without $50,000 tractors and all the toys. So if your wives are listening, I'm sorry, but better tune her out of that part but yeah. uh, try to justify the tractor but the the reality is is that we have several different seed varieties planted at the right time that can be very successful for somebody who doesn't have all that stuff and we're tr- always trying to look at that angle i'm always trying to remember back to 30 years ago when i didn't have all those things myself and you know we were trying to grow food plots and really sandy soil in michigan and you know just everything stacked against us and why did i fail and how did i start to realize success and what were the steps and the procedures so you know kfp soil test is always encouraged because if you do a soil test then at least i can help you and we myself or my staff can coach you over the phone or you know through emails or whatever here's what you need to do step by step here's what you need here's the recipe to fix your soil or mend your soil so that you can have the greatest reward for your time and money and um you know food plots are <laughs> they could be challenging 
starting with the equipment, which, um, you know, we have the Trevin <laughs> boneyard of equipment, we call it. But between Trevin and I, we break a lot of stuff when we're out there in the field. And, you know, we're hard on stuff. He and I are both high energy, and we don't really always slow down to think about what's over the next ridge. And sometimes things get damaged. But, um, but you know, now we have a mechanic on our staff and uh, Rich Kurzan over here. So Rich is uh, our new habitat manager. We haven't really talked about about that but we'll we'll talk a little bit more but he joined the team this year and i'm very very thankful he's been my friend for almost 30 years um glad to get him out of the industry he was working in and into the life of food plotting in the outdoors so. well good yeah i think um i think it's important the resource uh the the raw material resource is important what you get when you're getting it but then the the people the information that's a resource and you got to mate those together to make it make it work or maybe it it, i mean a lot of times you can just throw seed like you said throw seed out and it's going to (laughs) grow sometimes yeah what's funny because last year we went to colorado yeah right and we did everything right other than having some equipment malfunctions but right well, that was a, that was interesting too. But but you know we did everything right. We did all the steps that we're supposed to do. But you know unfortunately, um, you know the applicator, the person that came to spray it for us, didn't clean their tank well, and they put a product down that basically is a pre-emergent and blocks any growth besides alfalfa. I believe is based on the chemical they used for more than a year because there's yeah. still nothing growing it is there. A, if you look from space right now. <laughs> You can see that spot. It is still bare dirt. Bare dirt. Nothing. Like no wildlife, no weeds. No. I mean, Mother Nature's not even growing anything there. So right. they definitely smoked that ground for a while. But but the point is, is that, you know, those are the kind of things you need to know and you need to understand um, to be able to have success. And so, you know, we're here to be a resource. We're here to ask questions. Um, we want you to have success. So we really focus on the educational side of things with the YouTube videos. Um, you know, on each one of the products on our website, there are some videos and, and we cover all of the different aspects of why this seed, how do you prep for it? How do you plant it? How do you finish it? What are the steps to have the greatest success? And, um, you know, I invest in those things. You know, when I've shot those videos, it was the first week in November. I went to Iowa to film all those videos with no bow, no camo, and I wasn't going to hunt. Um, but that's how committed we are to, you know our customers and that sounds like the bad timing oh it was horrible but poor poor planning whoever was in the planning department on that one (laughs) definitely but uh you know we're we're that committed to getting it done and to be able to provide materials and we're going to continue that educational process and um, continue to help people because food plots are an important tool they do give you the edge during the season and you know whether it's right away early season when you have a deer in a feeding pattern on your property, putting those deer in that same spot, or it's mid to late season where you're still drawing the does in, the does are trying to recover. They've been chased around by bucks. They're, you know, or, you know, they've already been bred and they're trying to get their body ready for the winter months, um, for the harsh weather, depending on what state you're in. Um, there's always, they're always in need of groceries. And if you have cupboards that are stocked, you are going to be stacking deer up on your property as the year progresses. For sure, for sure. Um, we need a forum for or a, a database for equipment. 
Like, what's the best <laughs> spreader for to pull with an ATV? Yeah. What's the best, you know, all of these different things. You do things with a scale that is as small as you could probably get for, for, for farming, mm-hmm. but almost, but not big enough where it bumps you out of these small plots. You have a tractor that's at perfect size yep. with uh, a cone spreader. Yep. Right. I mean, things that would be ideal. But for guys that are trying to do these plots, I would love for other customers of Killer Food Plot where we could put these ideas together. Because, like, we have literally the last three years, a spreader has not lasted us just Missouri and Kansas. It doesn't. We can't find one that's worth a darn. And we're, this one I think was 250 bucks. Right. Agri, you know, agri, yeah. whatever, agrifab, I think yep. is what it was. Yep. It's probably the best frame built one, but still the mechanism fails. The mechanism is the, the gearing. Is the Locks. gearing. I mean, it's just, it's difficult and to in find Missouri, something. In Missouri this year, everybody kind of put their heads together between Trav and Rich and AR and, you know, who, they rebuilt it. Yep. And it only lasts six minutes in in uh, in kansas, kansas. It, we got through the rest of missouri with yep, it yeah but hmm but i yeah, would like actually to, a good idea yeah and then drills yep. like yep. okay what small drill i mean what's what's out there um rich you were talking about one from john deere that they make a john deere one that you pull behind a, an atv or something like that i find that those little details of, of of equipment, whether you're um, in Missouri or or at least for us, whether we're in Missouri or Kansas, there's a lot of things that would work for either, but we are are we're missing that little portion. Mm-hmm. So, but we've come a long way from a rototiller we borrowed from somebody in Virgil, Kansas. <laughs> you know, a, a friend of the family that owns this, and trying to do it that way with a grass rake and a and a weed whacker as that's the plot we put in our first first year and some stuff grew yeah yeah it was success so and that was you know it's it's possible i mean you can start there there's no reason not to do a food plot there you can definitely start that simple yeah and then more than likely your passion for it's going to grow Right, so right. once you see how effective, you know, a killer food plot can be in the groceries you can grow with not even the, the perfect moisture, without the perfect tools and right. all of those things, right. without the perfect knowledge, you can still be, um, you know, very successful. And the conditions that we plant in are pretty rough too. It's pretty rocky ground, pretty rough. Some of our food plots are in pretty good shape now, but... But you know we've we've dealt with some you know some struggles to get the food plot squared squared around and uh, uh, the the limiting factor for us is always time yeah so we're not watching weather we're not we're not putting our food plots in by temperature of of what storms in between storms we are literally these are the three or four days we have available to get together let's do it. And we pray that it doesn't rain three inches. 
we pray that it has rained prior to mm-hmm. we pray that it rains after but yeah. that's we're doing it <laughs> yep and so that's not the best idea if it was a if you were somebody doing this on your own and you live there that'd be different i mean i'm 11 hours away so i'm right. you know i'm you're a little further but we're kind of in the same boat for this property. It's not yeah. like I can say, okay, yeah, we, we kind of meet in the middle. <laughs> yeah, we got we got Thursday. We got rain coming. Let's let's Thursday for let's work on it Saturday. We can't do that, right? So but we still have success almost every year. Yeah, which is yeah. you know even if it hasn't rained or it doesn't rain for a while and the seed lays there in the soil. Well, once t- it does, it blows up and takes off. Take take for example that year, we planted. We got an inch of rain right after we were stoked then it didn't rain for eight weeks and it was hot and it looked like the barren wasteland we came back in we overseeded in middle se- middle of september yep and it and we still had stuff stuff did start popping but we overseeded and it was interesting because where where it was really a little le- a little more shaded that had grown we had two different growth layers from where we overseeded in august and september to what we had planted in june july mm-hmm. and um so it was an interesting i guess if if the animals like it at this level of growth you had that and then here's a more mature level of growth or you know whatever which we do often we do overseed for fall a lot of our food plots depending on the soil you're in you don't even have to work the soil up again so it's just a matter of broadcasting the seed broadcasting the groganics and now you can hit it with soil defender what's growing in hitting that ground and boom just blows that right up so and it is nice to have two different levels of growth your youngest deer and your oldest deer need young tender growth to be able to digest and pull the proteins and carbs and minerals and vitamins out of what they're eating out of that green forage so it isn't a bad idea to have some more mature and some uh newer growth happening that's yeah. why it's important to mow clovers and you know right. mow your alfalfa because you get the new growth out of it so right. sure well it's interesting all right let's move to the palm plot because uh palm plot in Missouri, we planted, of course, Border Patrol is important on that. We wrapped that in Border Patrol. And last year, the Carnage Brassicas were knee high. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I took pictures of that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there was just bulb, I mean, as big as a grapefruit. Yeah those bulbs on some of those turnips and it was uh, sweet so we have sugar beets well that's in white rage but in the carnage brassicas you have two different turnips yeah you have radishes that get pretty large as well our radishes really do well and then we um, as far as wrapping out the big broadleaf is rape and then we have kale in there as a early attractant one of the turnips is early attractant so highly productive it did really good yeah we i actually kind of uh took the picture going through it you know um just kind of walking through it it was like a yeah it's pretty cool but this year the food plot essentially got cut in half we had an l shape there and now we just had the long leg of the l um so 
you know, we did a similar planting there. We used the border patrol to kind of block the view because you mentioned like the mature deer walking by and taking a peek in the food plot, but not committing to coming in it because there was no draw for him. He wasn't in food mode, he was in breeding mode. And that's why the border patrol can be important. And then the border patrol also works as an ability to sneak up to your stand and get into your stand when there's deer in the food plot without spooking them out. And, you know, there's definitely um, a benefit to forcing those bucks to commit. It's like telling a teenager, no, you know, really watch me, right? And then get them to come in and commit to that killer mm -hmm. food plot maze that we create, not only with a perimeter, but we also put some, some teed off walls inside that make the deer zigzag through the food plot. And that puts the deer where you need them for the highest percentage kill shot. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I think is even cooler is what we did over there on the pond and that's a new product that uh your aqua shield yeah so probably over a 25 year thing that has been in my mind product to develop back when i did high fence and raised deer is my deer were getting sick from my pond and it was from bad bacteria in my pond and we did all these chemical treatments and you know everybody had an idea of what we should be doing and eventually we had to fence off our ponds and our high fence because just making our deer sick and we couldn't get a handle on it so over the last few years i've been working on developing aqua shield partially not only for ponds but for this big push to put a watering hole in your property or to create a tarp type water hole where you line it dig a hole line it with the tarp and backfill it with sand a little bit and then let the water collect in there as a watering hole well those are little cesspools of illness for your deer and it messes up their gut health and bacteria is so important in the digestive function in a whitetail and as soon as you get all these bacteria growth going in those little watering holes you have no way to address that and so aqua shield also can be applied in you know ounces per gallon of water in those little watering holes or in water tanks or you know water barrels all the way to large ponds to treat and, and take care of the bacteria that's where i started what i ended up creating is a product that also not only cleans the muck out of the bottom all the decaying organic materials that create the bad bacteria that create algae but we also are energizing aerobic bacteria. We're breaking down heavy metals in the in the uh, in the water and in the ponds. Runoff ponds from fields with glyphosate and other chemicals. This Aqua Shield will actually break those down, which is phenomenal. But without going too deep, I think one of the biggest home runs besides the bacteria is that that we're creating an environment where the mosquitoes, flies the darn no seams that eat our ears alive during hunting season we're in a tree and the midge fly the midge fly larvae that hatch and are the carriers of the ehd we are taking essentially eradicating them in those ponds and those watering holes the aerobic bacteria eat them they see them as food and they devour them and they're not there to create a problem and ehd is a huge problem going on across the country we lost a ton of deer in iowa last year <clears throat> in other states uh, indiana was hit pretty hard southern indiana illinois and so we're trying to continue to solve these problems and aqua shield was a home run we actually were nominated for both soil defender and aqua shield as an innovative product of the year um, 
uh, best in show at ATA, which was pretty cool. Um, that you know we're not a huge company, but we're solving huge problems, and that's my goal as an engineer. I'm not an engineer anymore for somebody else, but we're constantly engineering products, solve problems. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dennis Perkins, which is my buddy that I'm going to put you together with. I mean, he's forgotten more about Whitetail than I'll ever know, and you know, it's just for him. I was telling him about the the Aqua Shield, and he's just like. Uh, that would be remarkable he said you know because it's 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 a lie they're saying that it's only during the hot that the ehd he said because my deer were dying before it even got hot here correct and the midge hatch at all different times of the year right and they bite infected animals which are usually cows or some other uh you know animal that are a carrier that's not really affecting them and transfer that to whitetails and it's a big 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 problem there are some properties in Iowa that I know guys that lost a lot of deer from 150 to 200 inch deer. Oh yeah. And uh, just heartbreaking, 50% of their deer herd of all their mature bucks dead. Not just mature, but of their deer. Man. There was a lot of deer that were killed. And <clears throat> so being able to introduce that product this year um, on their properties right away this spring, continuing to treat, we treated about every 60 to 70 days during the hot period, you definitely want to you know, you could increase that application rate um, to four every 45 days during the hot period if you wanted to really uh, fortify it. But it's a it's a totally organic product. It goes after and addresses, gets right into the muck and, and eradicates that. Takes care of the root cause, which you know, as an engineer, you're always going to the root cause, but cleans up your pond, not only for quality of drinking water. The quality water will also draw more whitetails and more wildlife to your pond. Usability, it's safe. You can throw a stick in there for your dog to chase it. Your kids can swim in there. Um, it is aquatic species safe. So it's safe for your fish as long as you're applying it by the application rate on the label. Um, in fact, every time we pour it in the pond, it because it energizes aerobic bacteria instantly, <clears throat> they create more dissolved oxygen and the fish we had polywogs swimming through it and doing backflips through it when we poured it in the pond at ars for instance they just there's so much more oxygen in that water <clears throat> that's interesting that's interesting <coughs> well <clears throat> let's go let's move on you have a long drive and we've already been talking for 45 minutes so let's let's move on just to give yep. people an idea of what we did so pond plot we talked about that you did the aqua shield in that pond then we moved to the quarry which the quarry is a quarry it's basically if you think of a rock quarry that's what this pond plot is lots of rocks and the quarry plot yeah the quarry plot right yes right. thank you uh the it's we did good last year there we've uh, passed some deer there um i don't think we've killed any deer there i know the rifle guys have um but that's a gr that we we wrap a little bit of 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 border patrol in there to get access to that to get stand. access to that stand yep. then we turn around and we've got we usually put climatize and uh, deep woods. Deep woods. This year we added a little clover, mm -hmm. maybe a clover chicory. Yeah. Um, and um, it's partial sun. Some parts get a lot of sun, and then the edges 
were very bright, shaded very shaded yeah so um but deep woods works great in there though so that's the the the, the this is important because if you've got rocky you got soil but then if underneath this you've got that you know this is a rock quarry i mean right. imagine a rock quarry <laughs> with some dirt on it right that's what we have and we're still growing yep. so um it's that we got that one planted and i i'm excited about that one because this year we're also gonna i'm gonna try and put a ground blind in under those junipers um i think late season yeah that would be phenomenal well it definitely creates travel and was there corn in that field rich at the end i thought it was beans no it's beans it's beans this year okay Mm -hmm. so we also block off where that kind of traverses through and ends up on the end of an agricultural field and kind of pops out so we screen that too so that once they harvest the crops it still protects that right, still and gives it that uh little kind of hidden cove yep. feel so that i'm excited about that last year we did we killed a bunch of does out of there um that's a really good stand because we we our goal is to take 30 does off this property a year last year I say 30 last year was 25 we did take like 26 or something um so it, we, it i'm 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 excited we've got we have too many we, there's oh, so many deer there on this are property. a lot of deer and we've got to get the work on getting a little bit more ratio buck to ratio doe ratio so that's what we're, why that is so important um and a lot of people don't realize that we don't just kill our does for buck to doe ratio you kill your your does also for um your fawn recruitment which uh you know if if they have bucks you know if if the if the fawns are male um they're the first ones that get run off Mm -hmm. and what you're doing is you're growing bucks for your neighbors because then they go and relocate so if you keep those the doe uh, ratio in check you uh you can recruit some of of you know that all those deer that you're feeding <laughs> to stay on the property mm-hmm. so it's kind of a a little bit um an interesting topic about how you actually keep next generation the next generation deer on your property um there's some sexism going on there somehow you know with, <laughs> right. with that but um so then we moved we loaded everything up I mean, uh, the tractor because we're we're tilling and 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 um, and actually no, we weren't. We were already done tilling, but we're using a tractor to haul stuff. Um, and then we had a couple four wheelers and stuff like that. So we moved over to the, to the uh, east side of the property. Um, and you know, I like that's the Martha Stewart the killer plot and then we have what we have that little small bow hanger stand yep that's a great spot though it really is located off the back of that i mean there's a creek bottom that you're on the other side of it's easy to get into your stand undetected and the food plots on the other side of the creek and 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 right on the edge of the egg and it's like three natural corridors Mm -hmm. coming together because they come from across they come from down the creek and then they come out the fence watch the the, exactly you know walk that fence line yeah, it's good. Again, that, not very big, 
but highly effective. All right, and you know we, you and, don't have to go big and people. And we didn't think, wrap that in Border Patrol at all. No, we kept that like it is. We just uh, uh, put in some uh, deep woods. I believe we put deep woods and and clover and chicory. Yes, yes, we did. And uh, uh, and then moving down to the killer plot, which is imagine a T. That's kind of what this looks like. So the plot stays in the road. It, you know, it starts in the road, but then there's been a probably 50 foot across by 70 yards deep. 70 <laughs> yards, yeah. Or, yeah. Or seven, well, <clears throat> maybe not 70 yards, but. No, probably 50, 40 yards. 40 yards, yeah. But that, you know, that, and it goes into the timber. So that definitely doesn't get a lot of shade. Or, I mean, a lot of sun, excuse me. And so, but as it come out toward the mouth, it we do have more and we we combined um a little bit of um did we put any white rage in there we put white rage out in the sunnier in area the sunnier, yeah and then we did deep woods a combination of deep woods and crop duster and crop duster has a little more cereal grains in it which are really important for late season and um deep woods has the extra uh, benefit of the brassicas um and the rape that's in it so we put those two together they're both great for full sun all the way down to a little bit less than two hours of sun so that's we we disperse that in the t the leg of the t and then along the fence we we also did clover in the whole plot um, i'm trying to get to a point where we have some cover crop and we have some benefit of the clovers putting more nitrogen and nutrient base and then um, when we come back to spray all the weeds and things, the clover's often underneath that, and we spray and kill off all the weeds, and we can um, turn that clover right back into the ground, and actually a lot of it will come back in um, because we're not tilling we're not tilling deep enough to kill it. And then we overseed, and then we get the clover to come back in and fill in the gaps, and then we have less weeds and less And that kind issues. of helps to choke it out. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. And I'd love to get to a point where we're doing no-till, where we're actually growing these, and then we're just no-till drilling right into as them. As soon as our listeners or your customer base starts to give us options, mm -hmm. and we can find one that would work, yeah. we need one that can move through some rough country. Yep. It can't be... It can't be, it's we, not pristine ground yeah, by any yeah. means. And we're creek crossings. I mean, creek crossings are heck on... I'm not talking about the usage of I'm talking about transport from one to the other. The problem is you get into some some of the stuff so heavy you can't just pick it up and put it in the back of a pickup or a right. ranger or something, right. you know, like that. Uh, the cultipacker, great tool. Yeah. But you flip it over, it's got wheels on one side and then the, and then the big uh, wheel with the spikes I cut, yeah. they're not really yeah. spikes but basically it's indenting the basically ground the cleats that yeah. are all the way around yeah. a, a call the packer you can't you can't haul it on that because it'll trash that so you flip it over to your your wheels but the wheels are small little wheels and so then you go through a creek crossing with little a few rocks and stuff like that and you're dinging it yeah it's just so uh, we need a good resource so we'll we'll hope you know to make a few a few tweaks to our equipment list I think we're we're headed in the right direction. Hey, we upped our game this year. We mm -hmm. got a, you. Ha, you rented a tractor. So out of, we out of necessity. To, I mean, that was great because we had a bobcat last year with the improvised uh, four foot rototiller and 
poor AR had to drive backwards all day. Can't imagine what that did to his neck. But yeah. and at four foot at a time versus a five foot on a tractor, we have a lot more versatility. It took a lot less time. Right. I mean, to get all that done. Not that it still doesn't work, but as you increase your tool belt. Um, you know, food plots can become a little more simple. And, and with, the, with the drill, we wouldn't even need to till. So that right. would actually get rid of one step that takes a lot of right. time. Well, it takes time. And then when you, every time you till the ground, you break down organic matter. There's, you release moisture in the right. atmosphere if you don't pack it down right away. Because we were very, um, we were very sensitive to that, you know, um, here in Kansas. But in Missouri, you guys tilled the day before we were able to show up. Um, and then we did all the planting and finishing work the next day. So we didn't pack that ground down and inherently we lost moisture because right. it's been so hot and dry. Here in Kansas, we were able to basically follow up right behind packing. Um, and even though you got up at seven in the morning yesterday to get going, which well, we, we, we got up at nine. Um, we got in at three right. or 2.30 or something. And so, and then I, uh, yeah, I, I was just trying to stay ahead of you because then we got everything done in one day. It yeah. worked out well most efficient i will say that we have ever been here yeah. in getting stuff done yeah and so. you guys are going to be able to get headed back yeah so i'm excited for missouri for sure um when we got to kansas again we prepped everything and then um we were surprised to from from the let me take a step back we actually came through kansas to pick up the tractor and the cult packer and it was dry and I was really worried. I, I called the co-op and I said, hey, have you guys been getting any moisture? And they said, no, it is dry, 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 dry. And I said, oh, well, we're going to come plant food plots. And they said, well, yeah, come and do that if you don't want them to grow. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the time we left Kansas to go to Missouri, it I don't know how much it rained, but it rained plenty. It was good. I mean, the soil had soaked it up. It wasn't a mucky mess. Mm -hmm. And it was probably the best conditions we've ever planted in in Kansas. Yeah, I think it must have been a pop-up shower. But, I mean, we have retained in the ground to grab all that moisture. It does not leave that plot and go back to the atmosphere. Those right. pellets just suck it down into the ground and hold it. So, And we could tell that when we turned that ground yesterday. It was nice. Yeah. It looked a lot better than the cornfields. Oh, yeah. Cornfields around our food plots were bone dry. We've got – Phil has two plots we planted. Um He's got one, his largest one, which we even made a little bit smaller this year just because of, of timing and, and resources. But uh, it's he's got a little secluded area, border patrol, so he can get into his blind because he's got a, an elevated blind there that he can hunt from, which is pretty awesome. But he's got to be able to get into it, and the way he accesses it, this will be perfect. And then we've got the, we laid the groceries down. And uh, would you say that's a, almost a half acre? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pretty close. Yep. So um, that'll be a really good draw um, because then it's surrounded by trees. It's kind of secluded. So that should be a good draw for him. And then the corner plot, which always does really good for us down in that secluded. And it's a not even a quarter of an acre. It's tiny. No, maybe a sixteenth. But it's but it's enough of something that's gonna he always has good pictures of deer in there yep so then uh then our, our plots of silo same old same old in the fact that you know we we end up going in there and and it, it always does well we screen that 
one side that opens up into the cornfield which will be gone mm -hmm. when we're hunting so we still want that seclusion and then we planted jenny gate yeah the jenny gate that which got, is that got reduced down too just because they planted the field where they didn't have anything in the no crops yeah, last well, year we encroached on them last yeah, year right. um and the, the problem with that is that's where the farmer harvests from mm -hmm. So he has tractors and big trucks rolling through there. So we planted um, clover. And deep woods. And deep woods in yep. there that will allow him to drive through and still bounce back. Yep. Um, because if we had a, a Carnage Brassicus or something like that, you're going to break that stem and yep. you, you're done. You're, yep. it's, it's growth cycle's done. It's it basically, you know, if it hasn't done what it's going to do, it won't do it. Um, and then and we broadcast some of that into the cornfield a little bit so after they're done tearing everything up hopefully that'll sprout up as a second tier right. of new growth right. and that's what that's a good thing about crop duster too mm -hmm. we could you could literally go you know a month before they harvest and and broadcast it out there it's starting to grow they come harvest it doesn't bother it a bit nope it doesn't so that's actually the reason we created crop dusters we took the rape out because farmers that are no-till don't like you to put rape in the field when they go from corn to beans because now they're trying to grow a broadleaf and you're and inherently rape will bolt in the spring and create a bunch more of its own self in seed pods and then drop on the ground and so they get a little frustrated with that so we actually took that out added our lethal winter oats in, uh, swipped, uh, took out the uh, winter wheat and put our triticale in there as well, or KFP triticale. And man, that is just a, that is a hot plot going into the uh, mid season, mid and late season. The deer are just yeah. really attracted to that. So, yeah. and that's the sister to deep woods, we call it. And they both perform so well from full sundown to, you know, two hours of sunlight that, um, there's no reason that uh, uh, crop duster won't be <laughs> right there next to its brother in top uh, sales for that reason. It's easy, easy yeah. peasy. And then we moved across the creek and and uh, over to the Richland, which mm -hmm. is again uh, pretty rocky, but it, that's where we our carnage. That's where we carnage brassicas do really good in there. And uh, um, unfortunately, where the elk smashed it last year, yeah. we're living. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That the, between that and the and the silo plot, mm -hmm. um, I had them come through the Jenny Gate, but but I, I just think that what they were looking for was yeah. So yeah. But, well, I mean, it, most people think about you know food, we're talking about whitetails and trying to set up food plots for whitetails, but our killer food plots work amazing for elk and mm -hmm. mule deer, and you know um, they're a perfect example. They came in there and just ate all that brassicas off and devoured it but you know that's something whether you're um in the midwest or you're out west um it's definitely something that you can apply and like i said earlier we were trying to do that and uh showcase that for folks that are out west trying to get that edge and help themselves and we'll loop back to that project out in meeker eventually yeah for get sure we will next year we we what we what we need to clarify and what we told q quentin smith with curious outdoor specialties um we told q he said just get some oats let's see if we can get something to grow there before we invest that amazing chunk of time and and, yeah. and finances yep. that it takes to get all the you know because it we're wanting to do it right but we want to do it right um where we're going to get 
some some proper end production right so reap the reward reap the reward yeah if it won't grow you can't reap it right, <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> so well guys thanks so much for coming down i mean it, do you have anything else you want to add no i just i want to say thanks to phil for the accommodations in kansas um, when you're out in fields and you're busting your butt it's nice to be able to come back to a hot shower to air conditioning to cool down to have a good night's rest well and let's talk and, about why phil's not here yeah so <laughs> phil is getting married yep. and um normally he'd, he'd be in the trenches normally with us he'd all be weekend. right with us and he has already postponed the wedding twice and he's renovating a house in kearney i think kearney is where he's renovating the house and you know he's, he's getting everything ready and now he's got the wedding again to replan because yep. he i think they'd already so it just wasn't working i told him don't worry about it we will get your stuff taken care of you know you're letting us stay here we so i think i think he'll be pleased too yeah yeah so well, it's always good camaraderie when we do this. Food plotting is a great way to bring your family together. It's a great way to bring all of us and, and our, you know, from different spectrums of the U.S. here and bring us to a central area. And you know, AR and the team in Missouri are great, um, it's super a great crew. host, and they yeah. work hard. And you know, from the oldest all the way down to little Levi love that kid yeah um, oh yeah you know so that's been great it was great exposure for rich to you know join in our team to see what we do and you know to f realize there's a lot more going on than just planting a food plot and um you know he's a grounded kind of person and hard-working guy but also family guy so this is our whitetail family and this is what we do and it's part of our ritual not just base camp and hunting camp but to actually do the work so yeah well before makes we it fun before we send you guys head north let's talk a little bit about rich and, and his role mm -hmm. and and what that's going to look like and, and what he brings to the killer food plot team as far as as that so rich is our new kfp habitat wildlife manager um handling the whole food plot side of the business um we've realized quite a bit of growth in killer food plots in the last few years and i need to be able to run the business on a daily basis um with that said it doesn't mean i'm not going to be in the field and i'm not going to be doing it obviously it's going to take a few years to transfer 30 years of knowledge right. but rich is an avid outdoorsman uh he's the one that actually got me he and his dad taught me how to hunt whitetails um which is pretty crazy to think that you know come full circle now he's I think, I think us. we talked about that on our podcast last year about how how you got started and it's your fault that's, that's <laughs> what he keeps telling me yeah. So. yeah but um you know rich is like family to me and you know we've been best of friends for a long time um he brings a ton of knowledge and his mechanical aptitude um he's a forward thinker he's a planner efficiency um he's an extremely smart guy very efficient at what he does um and again you know when when you're a business owner it's you got to have quality team to put out a you know to deliver quality service but there's a different aspect of being able to work with the people you want to work with um right. and that that uh not only that but um you know people you can trust and you know i always say I can trust this guy with my checkbook and my daughter and and right. any other thing that's of value to me and um that is going to really help us launch um 
further out and to, to do better service because customer service is everything when you own a business like we do. And it's difficult when you're spread thin trying to get stuff done. You know, we're out here right now this week and we've got to get back to Michigan because we have some pretty major projects going on um, back home, not to mention our stuff, other pr stuff we need to do for fall. So, um, you know, it's something where I feel like we're continuing to add infrastructure um, and that infrastructure is in solid people. Um, we also added Jeremy Myers full-time to our team, who is our social media marketing, and I call him my professional assistant because he's got to track me down and stay up on things, but he does a lot uh, to the, for the team as well. Um, Tracy and I do uh, the large portion of the business. Um, Tracy's my fiance, and you know we have so many people who play a part in killer food plots that are not maybe necessarily direct employees of our business but um people that flux in and flux out folks like yourself you know and and our partnership and what we do it's it's a team effort to get it done and um so it's it's a very strong move in the right direction for killer food plots um and ground up property so exciting for sure it's good stuff good stuff now comes the waiting now we do the hard work and now comes the waiting and then yeah yeah See so when happens. will you be back out here again? Um, my plan is probably second week in november okay i'll probably come through i'm going to be filming levi hunting okay october 31st and i think what my plan is is i you know i, I say i think uh, last year uh, we planned and then i had hoped i came out i i filmed levi and i almost just should have stayed because it, that first week of November was just ridiculous. And we came back the second week and hunted up to the opening day of rifle, and then I came to Kansas. I think this week or this year I'm going to do that. I'm going to go film him and then stay and hunt whitetail and then come back, uh, go back, spend some time. M my goal this year is to not have long trips. Yep. Is to have you know a week and then a week home. And then a week, you know, um, and I'm doing less. Um, I'm not going to Kentucky for elk this year. I'm, you know, I mean, that's always a 14-day trip. Yep. Um, and that's, I just need to be home more. I need to strike a balance, right? Yeah. And yep. so, and then I drew my moose tag. So that is like primary. And that could be a short trip. I mean, it, we could go find the moose prior to season, kill him opening day. I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, in, in, when you're in September for moose in Colorado, which is the holy grail, it's a once in a lifetime tag. Yep. And um, you won the lotto. And then, exactly. <laughs> but once it hits into September, those moose start cruising. If you, you can pattern them, they're like a, they're like a, a, a white tail on, uh, you know, bedding to, to, to feed. You can pattern them in, er, in that early season, and then the rut kicks in, and who knows where they're at, right? Yep. But we like the rut because of the action, the amount of deer you see, the movement. Mm -hmm. If I really wanted to kill a big deer, I probably wouldn't hunt till late season, where they're keyed on food right. and they go back to regular. And big patterns. bucks are nailed. You know, I mean, they're, that's your best bet. But I just like the action of the rut. <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of my plan. Um, and so I'll probably get through here, pull cards in October, see what's going on. And it's hard here because I don't have good sale service. Mm -hmm. So I wish I could set up. And we're gonna we're working on uh, the Cuddyback trail camera has a uh, 
a really good system where you have a base so i could take that base and put it where i have good cell phone service and yep. then it communicates with the other cameras yeah it links off of that i'm hoping i have the ability to do that like can my camera my base reach the ridge line can it the teacher stand i mean i don't know is there too much topography in the way i don't right. know so i'll have to figure that out that'll be one of the things i figure out either that or go to the highest dang tree on the property you know and and put that base up in that tree that i then have so i'll have to play around with that but i don't have one yet uh, phil uses them here mm -hmm. loves them mm -hmm. Uh, Bog just came out with a new trail camera that we're using right now since we're having to pull cards and it's a really sweet system and I'm excited to get those up and cool and, and so I'll pull cards in October go hunt Missouri AR I'll be running cards we'll see what's up yeah. and, then, and then and then the chess match the next step of the chess match begins but I think this is fairly normal for for people that have properties at a distance or they're leasing uh, a piece of ground out of state to hunt or you know some too many hours away from family they go down they put the hard work in they hope and pray everything goes well they show up to hunt and then you know they have 14 elk living on the roof well, that's just you just know goofy you just but you don't know yeah. what you're coming back to yeah. i guess is the point so yeah um you know it's uh it is a gamble every time you do it but you know if you don't put your chips in you're never going to win so you know we feel like food plots can be a gamble some years mother nature can be brutal and other years she blesses us with the most bountiful food plots you've ever seen and um we're going to continue to produce products that help people yeah. shortcut her for sure so all right let's talk about where people can find you killer food plots on uh on instagram IG. yep instagram facebook facebook um, our website, killerfoodplots.com. You know, all of our products are there, really good information. Uh, YouTube, we have everything on YouTube as far as the videos and, and different um, aspects. You can see some utilizations of Border Patrol and um, we've got some pretty cool drone footage there. Um, you can always reach out to us, you know, uh, on our primary phone number, which is 616-550-8483. You can email me, nick at killerfoodplots.com. Um, and uh you know if you're a shop owner we'd love to get killer food plots in there if you're a listener we'd love to be able to help you have greater success and you know we are very committed to the customer obviously that's part of why we're building this infrastructure so um if you're struggling with food plots you've never done them before we're gonna actually start putting some bundles together on the website with different products kind of food plotting for dummies if you will that's a great idea right? so that we can give people the tools to start small because i'm always preaching start small have success then expand don't waste a bunch of money or take the money you have and spread it too thin and not have success so we're going to start with these little half acre plot bundles that you can purchase off the website everything we on our website's free shipping so we ship everything to you for free um, and then you have the information you have the right tools and if you apply that you know do a soil test first get that we'll get you a recipe and then that's get you immediately having success. That's a great idea. So easy. I love that. Yep. Food plots for dummies. <laughs> I needed that. I uh, definitely when I started. <laughs> I mean, it, it, and now I've learned through you a lot. But you know, it's still great to have you here yep. and and resource you. Yep. So, well, guys, thanks for listening. Another exciting uh, for those of you guys that don't understand food plot and whitetail. Man, I. I, I grew up, I, I wasn't in a stand. I was 33 years old before I got in a stand. And 
once you start it is addictive and the whole chess <laughs> match is just crazy yep. so now thanks for listening and as always guys go out find what wild place captures your heart embrace it god bless we'll see you down the trail <laughs>